0: I want to thank ReviewBiz for sponsoring today's episode. By the way, did you know that reviews are today's digital word of mouth? It's also one of the most valuable business and marketing assets you have. If you're not maximizing your review strategy, then ReviewBiz platform can help you. Let ReviewBiz inspire your members to give you your first five reviews for only $1. To get started, just go to ReviewBiz.io forward slash try.
1: I'd have to really convince him of it but i would talk to him a lot about um, not worrying so much about what other people think I spent way too way too much of my life really having a high need for approval and i think i still carry a lot of that with me but i would definitely talk to him about that
0: Hey, welcome to another great episode of the Gym Owners Growth Zone podcast, the show designed to help gym owners improve and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Andres Escobar, and I'm so grateful to have you join us today. Joining us today is Kyle Van Roers. He is a B2B growth expert and founder of Vorus, a sales organization. And he also uh, the author of Code to Commit It and the Sales Development Framework. Kyle has equipped over a thousand sales reps with data-driven strategies to improve results, and he started out selling gym memberships. He has also worked hands-on with 60-plus SaaS companies to build repeatable sales process, and Kyle shares his insights on enhancing sales performance and taking your business to the next level. If this is your first time listening to our show, please consider joining and subscribing our list of podcasters and share this episode with someone whom you think will enjoy it. As we dive into this episode, listen how Kyle explores the vital themes of adaptability, motivation, confidence, and the different controls in sales and life. I want you to go ahead and share and listen to the improvisation and public speaking experiences he shares with us and the quick thinking verbal communication skills he has. everybody, welcome back to the Gym Owners Growth Zone podcast. I got Kyle on the podcast and I'm so excited to have him because I've just seen him around and I said, look, Kyle, I know you're not a gym owner, but I know you have some expertise in sales. And then I found out that Kyle, but well, you know what? Let's have Kyle tell us.
1: Kyle, welcome to the show, dude. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome, man. Yeah, no, me too, man. Me too, man. I think you are a wealth of knowledge and I think you'll be able to share and people will extract some good value from what you got dropping down here. So tell us a little bit about who you are, how you got here and just tell us who you are. That'd be great.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So a little bit of a different background than your typical guest. I don't run a gym. I, um, you know, work with B2B software and, and service founders primarily, and I help them build out their sales process. And one of the things that's interesting, which was why we wanted to have this conversation is I actually started off selling gym memberships. My first sales job, I had just dropped out of college. I was doing stand up comedy full time and I had an opportunity to work at a gym during the day. And it was the perfect job because I could work at the gym during the day. At night, I would go and do stand up. So I I started there, ended up getting involved in software sales and sort of moved up the ranks throughout my career. Uh, And I started a company a little over three years ago to help B2B software and service companies build out their sales process. So I'm excited to to chat with you today and share some of what I've learned from that world and also some of that foundational kind of sales education that I got from working at the gym. So it's going to be fun.
0: I mean, I've heard it before where, hey, if you want to work on your speaking, go and do improv like join an improvisational club and like you actually did it like I kudos to you man big ups man that's that's good stuff man like and then you sold for a gym which I've done as well and and that's where I got my that wasn't my first but that was one of my entry points into the gym world and so I think it's like should we make all new sales for gym start doing improv I, I don't know I think we'll find out.
1: <laughs> I think uh, look, I think it was incredibly helpful for me. A couple of things that I did when I was younger that I look back on, I'm very thankful for, and, and I plan to encourage my kids to do the same. Uh, one was definitely improv. There's right. something special about improv, yeah. especially in front of an audience, where you're put on the spot, of course, so you need to think of something quickly, but then there's pressure because you don't want to mess up in front of people who are watching you. So not only the skill of just being quick with your mind, but also to be able to do that under pressure is a really valuable skill. Another thing I did throughout high school was I was in Toastmasters. So Toastmasters was super helpful because every meeting, they do something called table topics where they give you a random topic and you're supposed to create a speech on the fly. And I had done Toastmasters for a long time. Like I did it through high school. I even did, My dad took me to a Toastmasters meeting when I was like nine. So like I had wow. been like exposed to this stuff for a long time. And when I got into college, I took a speech class and I didn't write one speech. I just won all of them. And I got great grades because I knew how to structure speeches on the fly. And I was very comfortable without any preparation, wow. both because of Toastmasters and because of improv. So it's something I'm absolutely going to have my kids do.
0: Man, did you bribe them? Well, how'd you get them there? <laughs> <laughs>
1: or, how, or did you, did you get bribed? No, no. I just, uh, I got dragged is what I you got dragged no getting bribed <laughs> in my youth. Maybe, uh, maybe the more uh, younger kids. Yeah. But yeah, not me. Wow. I was dragged over to these things.
0: That's awesome, dude. That's awesome. And so you don't have kids. Is that what you, right?
1: No, I do. I have two kids. Um, you have two kids. yeah, we have, we have two kids and I plan to get them involved as early as I can, you know? And I, and I try to have fun with my kids and like, you know, it, it foster that kind of spirit. So kids are really good at improv stuff when they're young, anyway. Right. So just to keep that kind of stuff going, and it's a lot of fun for me. And look, I attribute a lot of my success throughout my career, especially the early parts of my career, to um, being very fun to work with because I have a good sense of humor and being very quick on my feet. And there's skills that are incredibly valuable. So I'm very thankful that I stumbled upon that world.
0: That's great, man. No, that's awesome, dude. Like, yeah, nurturing that natural ability of negotiating that the kids naturally do and and just thinking imaginative that they are, right? Like, ah, oh, dude. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love it. Well, love
1: look it. at the, uh, just to tie this back to the gyms here, look, yeah. if you look at your best gym salespeople, they are people who connect with the, uh, the potential customer really, really quickly. You know, and that was really helpful for me. If somebody walks through the gym, they're interested in signing up. I mean, that's just the reality. And your yeah. biggest barrier is the natural desire to procrastinate making a decision, right? Especially when it comes yeah. to health. And that was one of the things that was drilled into me when I was selling gym memberships. It was if they walk out of the doors, they are not coming back. Guarantee. That was the only guarantee there was at the in the gym industry in my world at least. And I'll never forget my uh, boss at the time, was a guy named Tony. Tony was the best. A lot of my leadership philosophy comes from Tony. He was totally eccentric. You know, he would walk around backwards often. He'd run into people. I mean, he's just a character, <laughs> but Tony was so diligent about the sales process. I'm really fortunate that he was. And one of the things I'll never forget about Tony is he was uh he was kind of showing us uh, how to kind of close people when by doing it himself. So he had taken somebody on a tour, you get back to the desk, and he's you know trying to close you know close a new member, and the person says, "Well, let me run to the ATM to grab the." Uh, what I forget what we called it the enrollment fee. Enrollment we had an fee. Enrollment yeah. Enrollment fee back then. I don't know if people still, still do that, but yep. um, we did. So um, to go grab the enrollment fee, and then I'll put the rest on the credit card. And he goes, "Okay, great. Well, I could use some fresh air." And he walks <laughs> to the ATM with her.
0: <laughs> yes. I couldn't
1: believe it. I couldn't believe it. But that was how he was. You know, and he was so passionate about that. And I do think I mean that's a very real thing, right? People want to procrastinate.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, going back to the improv thing, I mean, you know, it's kind of like dance like no one's watching, right? Like just say it, like don't overthink it, like just do it. Like I love it. Like, Hey, yeah, let, let's go. Let's go with you. You know, uh, let, let me go with you and I'll, 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 I'll grab you a cup of coffee or something. I don't know. Like that's like just thinking on your feet is so important. So important.
1: And just being comfortable in very uncomfortable uh, situations. There's very few things as uncomfortable as being on stage in front of a big audience of people and not knowing what you're going to say. I mean, that would terrify most people if they were just dragged up on stage be like, okay, we want you to give a presentation about a topic. And then they just were given the topic. Terrify the average person. Improv teaches you to be very comfortable in that kind of situation, which I think is valuable. You know what? I'm reading a book.
0: It's by Ryan Holiday, and it's the stillness, right? And it's it's about having peace. And so you have the Roman Stoics and Marcus Aurelius. There he is. And so so he's got all these things going on outside. Nero just let him go as his advisor. He's got a lot of things going on, and he's like just finding stillness, and just he's able to write these amazing just phrases that today they're still resounding. And so it's like you know. That's to me is like stand-up. Like you got all these distractions, you know, clinking, you're in front of stage, things are happening. Maybe the the tech is not working, you know, maybe you know, the person shows up to your gym and and you're trying to show showcase something on the TV and it's not working or your computer's not working. It's like it's like, oh my gosh. Like, how do you find this like calmness, right? To be able to exude confidence. And so that is so important. I think if we actually go back to having less distractions, like on my phone, you know, I just told you, I put it on airplane mode during the podcast. Um, But what I also do is I put the color, I turn the color off. So, it's less stimulants. And so, I'm not on the phone as long as much anymore. Right. Because it's all black and white. All black and white. So, I'm like, "Eh, all right. I mean, that's it. I got what I needed and done. Five minutes, done. So, I'm in and out and and it's helped me so much. You know, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's it's good to have a phone and and the technology is fantastic, but when it, you become a slave to it and you rely on it heavily to do your job, forget it. Like yeah. back in the days, everything was manual and you know you handwrite. I don't know when you were signing up for people, you know, like put your name right there. What's your name? You know, and then fill it out, and it's all written. So, but not anymore. It's it's different world. But you know, we we gotta have that confidence that we know how to work without that stuff. So I love it, right? I mean, it's like, you know, one of the first questions that we have is life is a roller coaster and, you know, ups and downs, lefts and rights, you know, you don't know when that left turn is going to happen. If you did, you would hold on to something, right? And so we have guardrails in in our lives to help us focus and, and to help us get there faster or not faster, but just actually just get there. <laughs> and so in your life, what has been like the things that tracks that keep you going, and the guy that just keeps you in focus.
1: So I have a really strong desire to control what I can control. And whenever something in my life is out of control and there's a lot of things happening and most of which I can't control, I focus heavily on what I can. And that has always served me really, really well. Because the reality is I can't control what other people do. I can't control what happens in the markets. I can't control if somebody actually buys or not. But I can do everything in my best power to get to the result I'm trying to get to through the things that I can control. So I put a big focus on what can I control in this situation? And then I cut out all of the noise of things that I can't. And look, you can't ignore the reality that's in front of you. Sometimes these market conditions, sometimes things happen, right? For example, if you remember, it earlier this year or last year, there was a hurricane in Florida. And I can tell you across all of our clients, anyone working deals in Florida, it wasn't happening. We could have done everything perfect. We're not getting a deal when somebody's yeah. house just got destroyed by a hurricane. It's not yeah. happening. So what do you have to do in those situations? Are you just going to complain about the hurricane? No. You get really radically focused about what you can control. This goes with people in the gym too. If you have a sales team at the gym, are we calling folks who had signed up for you know a, a seven day or 14 day trial of the gym? Did you have somebody come for a trial session and not buy from two months ago? How often are we calling those people? Right. Are we just emailing them? Are we getting them on the phone? What are we doing? Are we inviting them back? Like there's all of these things that we can't control. But often what I find is a lot of organizations, but this goes beyond the gym. I mean, this is in my world too. We have all of these people who are interested that we never follow up with. We never talk to again after they said no the first time. Like these are the types of things that we can't control. So we should consistently control them as opposed to just hoping things work out.
0: Oh my goodness. I love it, dude. Like you literally rang my bell right there because it's one thing that I am on my soapbox about the control thing. I actually was talking about it this morning. I mean, I read the serenity prayer. I give me the serenity to, and the wisdom to understand the things that I can control and not control. Right. And that's, that's huge. And so I'm just going to double tap on the conversation we had earlier. Like we actually talked about a, the process, like for example, if we're calling people on the phone and they're ready to book an appointment, what is one thing you told me? You said, hey, today, tomorrow type of thing, right?
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. So walk us through that because I love for people to like take out some like actionable items that they can use in their day-to-day world. And I love this one.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're ever booking an appointment with somebody, what I typically recommend is try to book the appointment for the same day or the next day. So if somebody calls the gym and is like, hey, I'm interested in a membership. What's the, you know, what's the price? And your objective is to get them into the gym to take a look at it or to, to schedule their first class. Don't say when would be a good time for you. And then it right. could be any time between now and infin- infinity. Right. Or in infinity. What you want to do is you want to give them times. Well, I also suggest bringing the times as close to the time that they're talking to you as possible. Right. Because when somebody takes an action, this is I, this is something I teach Every salesperson that I encounter, I always say, "Action equals why," and what that means is, if somebody took an action, is actively taking an action, or plans to take an action, there's a reason why they're doing it, and we need to uncover that reason. Ooh. So, what's motivating you know you to come visit the gym today? What's motivating you to give us a call today? Things like that, because when you understand someone's motivation and the why behind their action, then you can better position yourself. To be the solution that they're looking for. Are they just trying to lose weight? Is it a fitness thing? Are they excited about CrossFit that you do, or if you do some kind of hit, you know, program there? Whatever it is, we need to understand why they're interested in that thing, what their goals are, and that's something that the gym industry does really well. Finding out the goals of the person—that's actually something I learned and kept with me for a long time. All that matters is their goal. All that matters is the why. And if you can tie yourself to that, and you can escalate it by bringing the meeting that they where they actually come in as qu- close as possible to when they chose to act, you typically have better success. So I'll offer them later that day or the next day to come in, whatever the most, you know, the, the soonest time they can come in, give them those times and see if they'll come in.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I my fear was like, if we give them today, then it seems like we're desperate. It was like, right. no, I mean, it's, it's an option today or tomorrow. And so I've always been like, you know, the next day or sometime down the week. And it's like, no, no, today or tomorrow. Like, come on. Yeah. And it's like going back to like, tomorrow's not promised. If we could do it today, let's do it today. Right. Type of thing. Right. Right. You know, I just found some, a gap in our calendar. You have something available with all that good stuff. The wording, the messaging is so important. And that was, that was huge.
1: Right. Right. And look, you can even say to them, like, look, I'm going to be around today until uh, seven. My afternoon's pretty open. Are are you able to swing by today? Yeah. You know, I'll be here tomorrow. Are you able to swing by tomorrow around one or maybe this time that you called tomorrow? Can you, can you make that work? That's the kind of thing you want to do is you want to give them the time, and people are much more likely to pick a time when you give it to them than if you leave it open ended. Oh, yeah. Because now they have to decide. If you've ever gone to a burrito joint with a friend who just struggles with decisions, they're like, "Ah, do I want black or pinto?" Right? Like they're, yeah. they're trying to like figure out what they want. The same thing happens when somebody's trying to schedule a time to come into your gym. You just need to make it very easy for them to reduce that friction. Yeah, yeah.
0: We usually do like morning or afternoons, but I'm. Picking up, it's like don't give them mornings or afternoons. That's that's still a lot, you know. they give them the actual time. Like, hey, ten o'clock right. a.m. or like two thirty p.m. What works better?
1: And if they say no to both of them, then you can ask them, right? But what you'll find is they're gonna pick one of the times in most cases. Especially like if they called you at a certain time, odds are they're free at that time, right? So yeah. you can. That's always a safe bet. Not always true. Like some people are at work calling, but uh, if you could say like, Hey, okay, I have some time later, you know, later on today, are you free around five o'clock mm-hmm. and see what they say? If they say no, just say, Oh, does any other time work for you this afternoon? No. Okay. Why don't we look at tomorrow? I have, could you come in at one or whatever? You're, like, you're yeah. always just giving them times and then yeah. open it up if they can't pick one.
0: Right. Uh, at the end, for sure. Make sure you get that, get that sale. Well, not sale, but get that commitment, commitment.
1: Get them sure. in. Same thing. Like when uh, you're selling cars, like they, they want you to test drive. They want to get you behind the wheel because that's the best chance of you actually buying it, right? Well, your best chance if you're s- selling a membership to a gym is to get them in the gym to feel what the culture is like, what the environment's Same. like, how clean it is, things like that.
0: Right, right. If that doesn't work, then forget it. You don't have a sale. Well, yeah, you're of welcome. course. yeah. It's then- <laughs> not the right gym for you. is a beautiful word to hear when you're scoring on the soccer field. This last World Cup was won by Argentina because of one important player. Yeah, you got it. It was the goalie. He secured the win for the team and in the same way, ReviewBiz platform will catch negative reviews before they go online. In addition, it helps you score and promote fresh new reviews so you can crush the competition. So don't let those big box gyms take your clients. ReviewBiz will help you build your online presence and turn your own members into your best sales reps. Get your first five reviews for only one dollar. All you got to do is go to reviewbiz.io/slash try to get started. So tell us about not just those obstacles and sales, but in. Challenges in, in your business world in your in your life that that you've had, and what did you do to overcome them?
1: So there's countless. I mean, anybody who runs a business knows that it's one of the hardest things, if not the hardest, <laughs> the hardest thing that, to do. I mean, you originally get into it because you're like, oh, you know, I can kind of control my own destiny. I, I'm going to achieve more freedom, and then you realize, wow, this. is to get to that world of freedom takes a bit longer than I may have anticipated. I heard a good quote from somebody. If I had known, I'm probably going to butcher it, but if I had known how difficult starting a company would be, I probably wouldn't have done it in the first place. <laughs> you know? And look, they're speaking half tongue in cheek, but I think it's a, good, you know, it's a good quote. Look, I've had several really difficult situations. The one that pops top of mind for me is a few years ago, we were growing really quickly and we had brought on some more people. This is, uh, I believe, two years ago. And we had some churn in our business. So like I was saying earlier, we work with uh, B2B software and service companies. And at this point, we were doing really well, but we really had one customer that was responsible for like 40% of our revenue. So what ended up happening was that customer was, uh, they had hired like a head of sales and they were going to phase us out. And they were like, okay, over the next three months, we'd like to phase out. They ended up phasing out immediately. There was like some dip in the market and they panicked and, or their board panicked and they wanted to try to be careful with their spend. So they ended up cutting out immediately versus the three month plan that we had and there was no contract in place. So we were like, all right, this person's just gone, right? This company's just gone. At the same time, we had one other customer who had been around for a very long time, churn as well. And we don't get a lot of churn. Both these customers had been with us for like over a year. So th- these are just like long-time customers. You don't even really think about them, right? I mean, you do when you work with them, but you don't think about like them churning because you've been working with them so long. Anyway, that happened at the same time and we ended up losing 60% of our revenue within the span of 30 days, which was horrifying. So you spring into action, right? Like what I was saying earlier, control what you can control, get really focused. And um, right. that's what I did to try to get new business. But I was nervous. I actually had the whole team here um, i'm based out of the san francisco bay area we were here in the bay and payroll was going through the next day and we had like a thousand dollars in our bank account oh there's like no way that i could make yeah. payroll it's like impossible so i was like oh my gosh and by the way we have a team dinner that night it's oh just like gosh. one thing led to another and i so we you know, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do here but on a happy was, face. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey guys. Well, the, hey guys. the thing is, uh, a lot of our money was tied up in accounts receivables. So like it felt like we had money, right. but we didn't have it in the bank account because it was all wrapped up in accounts receivables. And I was at a bar the, the day before. So, you know, I, I was at a bar with the team the day before, I don't know how to say this, the day before, the day before we had to make payroll. So two days before payroll what gotcha. was yeah. going to go through. So it was that evening and uh, my business partner and I We're having a conversation, well, what are we going to do? And the accounts receivable part of the conversation came up and I was like, let me just call these people. So I just called everyone who owed us money and I was able to collect uh, 30 grand, which was enough to cover payroll at the time. So barely squeezed by it. And then from there, I got the whole team together. We all did prospecting, which was like a thing we didn't normally do. A lot of our business comes organically. So we all did prospecting, we got a couple of customers and then boom, we were back on the right track. That's the easy, you know, that's the easy version of the story, <laughs> but it was a little more scary than that. But that's essentially what happened.
0: I can imagine. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, that's what you got to do. You got to put on a happy face and basically look at what you can do, like what you control back to that, back to that. Right. Okay. I got some receivables I can reach out to. Okay. I can do that. Love right. it. I love that. Cause you just sit around and just wait and be like, okay, hope everything works out. Yeah. Oh, no, it doesn't just, yeah. So tell me, I'd still so go back to the, I love to understand your concept of what you can control. What do you think you can control? You told us earlier that you like to control, right? Yeah.
1: Tell us what is, how does that look like to you? Yeah. Well, so there's two two parts of this. One is I try to control everything that I can not control. That's like an important piece of it. But I also give others a lot of ownership. And there's a dichotomy there that I think is important. I'm very good at giving away responsibilities, but I do try to control as much as I can control. And I'll tell a quick story of like a good, you know, it's a good anecdote to kind of remember to do this. When I was in middle school, eighth grade, they were picking uh, the graduation speeches. And I had spent so much time writing the speech. I had done a lot of speaking like just practice with like little Toastmaster things my dad used to take me to and whatnot. I also went to a lot of seminars with my dad. Like we didn't go to sports games. We went to seminars and stuff, which is, wasn't cool when I was a kid, but I look back at it very fondly. And I was very prepared for my speech and I gave a, what I felt was an incredible speech, the best speech of grade, right? And Of the, um, of the millennia. Yeah, exactly. Right. They've never heard such a good speech. Never. And uh, I was a good speaker, right? So yeah. I like, went through my thing. And then I ended up hearing, overhearing a teacher saying that they couldn't pick me to do the graduation speech because I wasn't like a good reflection of the school. The reality was, like, I was in and out of the office a lot. Like, I was always messing around, getting in trouble. Nothing crazy, but you know, what, I was just like a, a handful. And uh, so you weren't the perfect student, Kyle. No, not even close. (laughs) Um, So, uh, so anyway, so they didn't want to to give it to me. So I I was really upset. They ended up not giving me the speaking thing. So I like got home and I was all furious. I was like, "This is unfair!" Like I definitely had the best speech there. I listened to other speeches; they're trash. Whatever I said, you know. And my dad was like, "Well, like, could you have worked a little bit harder on the speech? Like, maybe you could have presented it better. Were you nervous? Like, he was really trying to like get me to focus." On what I could control, and I just kept complaining. No, this is you know not right. Blah blah blah. A uh, long story short, my dad kind of loses his temper, and he's like, "All right, let's just say everything you're saying is true. They're all out to get you. You know, it's a conspiracy to keep you from speaking. Let's say all of that is true. Now what? That's like a pretty powerful quote. You know, it stuck with me for a long time. Now what? It forces you to think. What can I do next? What can I control? So that has stuck with me for a long time. And whenever I'm in a situation and I don't fully know what to do, or I feel like there's a lot going on that I can't control and I just feel beat up, there's two things I go to. One is reminding myself that life is happening for us, not to us. And then the second thing is I ask myself, now what? And that has always kept me very grounded and centered on now folks, what? You know, what I can't control. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now what? Yeah. Now What's what? Next? Yeah. What? I love it. That's awesome, dude. I love that antidote. I love it. I love going yeah, off script too, because this is like, you know, conversation. We just jam in here. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is fun. You can give us your take on the fitness world, right? And so when you were working in there, and by the way, how long ago was that when you were uh, selling gym memberships?
1: Probably 11 years ago, 12 okay. years ago. Okay. Yeah. At a good amount of time.
0: Not so recent, not so bad. Not so so such a long time ago. I have a guys on, a, on the show where they've owned gyms a couple of years ago and like that. Around that time, so when you were in the fitness world, what was like an issue you saw, or maybe you see it right now in the fitness world, that needs to change, that just can't grow if we continue down this rabbit hole?
1: Well, I can tell you, I've I've gone through tours of gyms several times. I actually, fun fact, I almost bought a gym like a year ago, like pretty recent. <laughs> There's a gym right by us, and uh, we were considering. My business partner and I were considering buying it because the owner was moving out of the out of the state and he you know wanted to be done and wasn't doing very well so we were thinking like okay well it's at break even now we could probably make a bunch of changes and fix it but anyway i went on a bunch of tours of different gyms and i can tell you at least in my area i feel like what i was kind of i was taught when i was selling gym membership is like been th- completely thrown out of the window a gym membership has become a lot more of a transaction as opposed to like a sales process where the salespeople are trained, they're following a certain script or at least like a framework for how they sell the gym membership. And instead it's treated a lot more like a transaction you either want it or you don't. I think this both goes, look, I don't know what 24 does now, but I know at one point they stopped selling, they stopped giving commission to salespeople. And I think 2020 that's- 2020 helped, um, helped with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Do you know, does 24 do you, um, commission for salespeople right now?
0: 24? What do you
1: mean? Like 24 hour fitness.
0: Oh, 24 hour fitness. Yeah. Uh, well, we work a lot with anytime fitness. So they do. They they, they still they, do. I mean, the gyms are now getting back into it to the uh, commission. Okay. Model. Yeah. So
1: I'm not sure what 24 is doing, but for, I know for at one point, I remember, and this might've been like seven years ago or five years ago, they had stopped doing um, commission to salespeople, which look, I I think salespeople should be paid on commission, so I think it's an important part of the role. But what my experience was, at least, was a very um, kind of like transactional sale, but not a very good experience going through their process. Like there wasn't a process. No one would ask my goals. People would barely give me a tour. Let me know if you want me to show you around. Like you know, take a look around. Let me you know. Let me know if you have any questions. It was just a different experience, and I don't know. You you're much closer to this currently. Than I am, but I just feel like that—that's that, a mistake.
0: Yeah, it's there's a lot of changes happening, just like in every industry. So, so it, yeah, it's changing. Like the restaurant world is changing. You know, you, you go to McDonald's and you don't even talk to somebody. You just punch in your order and then you <laughs> yeah. go. So that's a very transactional thing for sure. Oh. But a gym membership, I, I'm with you. Like it's we've been talking a lot in, in the podcast about it, be, it should be prescribed from a doctor. The doctor should prescribe going to the gym and go to this gym because I know them and they do this and you should go there and then it's a done deal like and right. so that helps the person with whatever element that they have and it just big time big big difference and then also the trainers it's not just about the fitness it's the the mindset of the person you know the habits that they have all right what kind of right, habits right. You have? because you know it all starts with what you're eating and what you're, what you're putting into your body, your, your fuel. And so, you know, we have a very unhealthy relationship with food, period. So, that in itself is, it's changing. It's changing, but it's not like a standard process procedure for throughout all the gyms. Like, all gyms need to do this and, and, and you can't, you know, everyone's different. Yeah. So, I think the ones especially, that are really transactional are going to lose.
1: Like, well, like I think gonna, so too. Yeah. Um, but it also depends on the price point, right? Like if it's a cheaper gym, like I think sure. it's probably meant to be more transactional. Yes. Um, but if you're yes. doing like a boutique gym and it's over a hundred bucks a month, you know, uh, which a lot, you know, these CrossFit gyms are my area, especially uh, where I go is, is expensive <laughs> for like the entire family. I think we spend like 400 bucks or 380 or something. It's a lot. They had a really good process, but either way, it's like, Some of the mistakes that I've seen is where like, oh, we'll just have them come to a class and then they'll get excited because they just did the class. But there's no formal sit down after the class that they go to or whatever session that they go to to actually try and get the sale. Usually it's one of the coaches that's doing the sale. It's like a, it's not their main thing. Like their main thing is doing the actual sessions. Like these are the types of things that I think are issues. And there should be somebody dedicated and responsible for converting folks who are either on a trial or doing, you know, a free session or whatever, right. whatever your customer acquisition is in order to drive towards a, an actual sale, right. Uh, especially right after they experience a session. Like I would not let them leave the uh, facility until we've spoken to them.
0: hundred percent. I mean, that's where you fail with the follow-up. Right. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, cause you know, you, you're, you didn't get this job to follow up. Like you got this job to train and coach people. Like that's not right. Like, and that's where... You know, kind of like I used to be a IT sales person and, and we had a sales engineer and then we had a sales executive. And so that two dynamic, like, okay, good. Let me make sure we understand what your issues are. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Let me get on the, the sales engineer. All right. Yeah. So he, he sees that we can definitely help you with this, that, and great. This is how we're going to curate it and, and make sure that you guys have the results that you can. And same thing with the gym. Like you should have a, a, a two person approach, like a salesperson and then the coach and trainer. Like that's, yeah. that's it. Engineer that that's success.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's super important. And um, I don't know, at least in my experience, I'm seeing a lot less of that. And I don't think that's a good thing.
0: No, it's definitely, no, for sure. Awesome, dude. Listen, I have the fast five coming up right now. Like it just like, boom, hit me right there. Like, all right, let's go fast five. So this is where we ask you five questions and you just answer and we can double tap a couple things, but let's just go for it. You ready? Quick. All right. Let's run, run right, through. Let's them. go. Who is an influential person in, or people in your
1: business journey? I would say uh, two. So one is my dad and my dad uh, is an entrepreneur. He, re- he retired pretty young. So he's always somebody that I look up to and I reach out to for advice. And then the other one is kind of off the wall. I like John Laguerre a lot, who's the former CEO of T-Mobile. He's a bit of a character. Oh yeah, he's a character like for him. sure. Yeah, he's a total character. Yeah. <laughs> I really like him because like, he's a big personality. He's a lot of fun. He's a total character. Yet, watch him sit in front of Congress when you know, the Federal Trade Commission was trying to stop the acquisition of Sprint. And he's a total killer. Totally different persona, super sharp. And I like people who can kind of play both roles.
0: That's pretty cool. Love that. What's one thing you wish you had known before you began your business?
1: I wish I had known a bit more about uh, the financial side of running a business. I told the story earlier, there's, um, I think, a lot of value in understanding finances, cash flow, how all these things work. And it's one of these things you don't really think of until it's too late. Often, at least I didn't. And I'm very math oriented. So maybe I should have should have been more thoughtful about that. But, but I definitely wish I had more uh, knowledge of the financial aspect of running a business first.
0: I do have a recommendation. I'm reading this book right now. It's called Profit First.
1: Yeah, great book. It's actually one that I read that actually had a huge impact on how we run things.
0: Oh, lovely. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Actually, a buddy of mine went through it and he created a spreadsheet and he's, he let me get it. I'm like, oh, dude, I can't wait to finish That's the awesome. book and, and put it all into practice. So and that leads me to the next question, which is what's a book, a blog, a podcast, or a media you recently consumed that positively
1: impacted you? I would say- One of my favorite books is Titan. I actually have it here behind me. Tim Ferriss? No, no, that's Tools of the Titan. This is called Titan. It's a uh, biography about John D. Rockefeller. Oh. And it's really interesting hearing about his life, you know, really being a early 20s during the Industrial Revolution. And I don't know, he has a fascinating background and I kind of, I like biographies a lot. There's a lot of wisdom in there for business owners, for sure. Yeah. But also, they're fun to read. <laughs> love it. Love
0: it. Documentaries are great. Like yeah, History Channel, that, that type of stuff. Love it. Love it. This is cool because you could tell us your take on this. Is What's one of your favorite online tools?
1: Oh, um, yeah. Not to be on the bandwagon, but Notion's by far my favorite. Uh, okay. We used Notion for a while and then we switched to ClickUp. And then we moved back to Notion recently. And We were using ClickUp for about a year. Mm-hmm. Notion's so much nicer for us. Um, what I like, it's harder to set up and, you know, you kind of have to get used to being more of a power user. But once you are, it's the only software I've found that is flexible around how I want to work versus me having to be flexible around how it wants to work.
0: Tell us a little bit how you use Notion. Like what's the best use case that you you use it with?
1: You kind of could use it for anything. Right. Um, but a lot of it is around like managing projects, wikis, you know, documentation for things. Managing tasks. The one of the things that's really, we use our, use it for our team meetings and our notes for our team meetings. One of the reasons why I really like it is I can create dashboards for each individual that it combines all the things from all of these different places into one view versus a lot of like project management tools force you to use their like inbox feature and it's just, it ends up getting super messy and weird. So it's not as nearly as good of an experience. So I like the flexibility of it.
0: Huh. So like I could bring in like my HubSpot dashboard or something into it
1: well so um, i don't going deep
0: into sorry guys
1: (laughs) i don't know if you can do that but what you can do is you can create like a page that if you're managing the task your task in notion it shows the task if there's projects being managed it shows the projects if there's a script you use often Uh we'll link to the script so you can consolidate all the important information to that individual so for example my assistant she has one and it shows you know all the tasks she has to do in the morning, every morning, then stuff she has to do throughout the day, like repeated stuff, like go through my inbox, you know, go through my calendar, that kind of stuff. And then there's a list of things she has to do at the end of the day. And then she has her weekly stuff of like, these things need to get done every single week. And it has it all there. And there's a little drop down if she forgets like the process with videos on how to do each thing. It's really organized. And then also all projects we're managing are there, all invoices. I have invoices linked to where they go into Notion. So you can see if there's an outstanding invoice. So I have a lot of systems in place for that. Like
0: I said, there's a lot, or or Kyle said this could do so many things. So
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And it works around you, which is very
0: nice. All right. So let's uh let's go. The last question here is what's right. a habit or practice that you believe everybody would benefit from?
1: You know, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. I saw him speak for the first time when I was 12 years old in San Francisco and it just was incredible incredible and i have been a big fan of his for a long time and he does something called priming every morning oh yeah he has a video if you look up yeah that stuff exactly i think that raising, exercise, by the way i'm raising
0: my hands up and down up and down Yeah, yeah and, for listening. <laughs> and you're breathing you're listening.
1: yeah man i look maybe I, I get not everybody's a huge fan that's a really strong exercise i think starting your day with thinking of things you're grateful for thinking of the goals you're trying to achieve like i think yeah. that's a really healthy practice so i highly recommend it yeah and you can youtube it. the videos on youtube it's it's 15 minutes long like can we take 15 minutes every morning to do this of course come on man
0: yes yeah please today i was i was uh double ha- what was it called stacking stacking one of Habit my habits stacking. i was yeah i was listening to profit first and i was doing a an exercise routine so i was like okay cool double, yeah, I love double stacking that so it was great Last thing that we, by the way, we're done on the fast five, (laughs) but the last one I have is one of my favorite questions. I save it for last. And the reason why is because it's a time machine. I don't know if you knew, but I have one. And so we're going to jump in there and Kyle, we're going to go visit Kyle, 14 year old. And what's a piece of advice that you would give little Kyle at 14 years of age?
1: I'd have to really convince him of it, but I would, Talk to him a lot about um, not worrying so much about what other people think. I spent way too, way too much of my life really having a high need for approval. And I think I still carry a lot of that with me, but I would definitely talk to him about that. Yeah, it's
0: important, man. I think that needs to be reverberated throughout the airways and whatever ways that we can put them on because it's huge. It's huge. It's uh, It's a rabbit hole to just being unhappy. Completely. It's great. I love it. Kyle, we made it. We did it. Thank you again for jumping on here. And I appreciate you spending the time with us.
1: Thanks for having me. What you know now, who you are as this raw person, as this kind of animal, lean into it. Like I think a lot of who we are and what we know in those high school years are such tumultuous years but we're forced to like kind of back away from
0: it. Man, that was such a fun episode. I really enjoyed what Alexis said about being okay with mistakes by pushing through them. What was your favorite takeaway from the episode? I want you to connect and share a message with me on Instagram with the tag, Meet Esco. I would love to hear your thoughts. And I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the episode today. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show on the platform you're currently listening on. And remember to leave us a rating and review so we can improve the show for you guys. The feedback helps us so much. It would also mean the world to us. Also, check out this content on YouTube and get a lot more strategies, ways to improve your sales and marketing and, of course, social proof. So, as always, I want to thank you so much for the encouragement. I truly appreciate you listening to the podcast and helping us improve with your comments. And I'll be seeing you next time in the Growth Zone. Our show today was brought to you by our incredible team, starting with production from TSE Studios, music consulting by Tyler Schmeling, our lovely guest coordinator, Anna Ponce, and... Focus juice from our project coordinator, Mauricio Murillo, and myself, Andres Escobar, as the host. Thanks to ReviewBiz for sponsoring this episode. And if you want to get the most out of your review strategy, then go to ReviewBiz.io forward slash try so you can get your first five reviews from your real members for only one dollar.